In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. You know, no, no good story, no good storyline proceeds without strong subplot interaction. No matter the genre, novel, comic book, narrative, history, murder, mystery, the Bible, God's plan for salvation, the unfolding story of the people of God and their walk with God, it requires the undergirding of numerous essential subplots. Some of them are familiar to you. There's the out of nothing, I will bring something subplot. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void. So Big Bang-esque, that subplot is pulled forward in the story every time God does something new, including that wonderful passage in 1 Peter where the people of God are described as having come in Christ from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Then there's the subplot that makes use of the improbable also known as the subplot that makes use of the least likely. You see this in the selection of Abram and Sarai to be the progenitors of the people of Israel, even though they're well past childbearing years. So too for for many of the great matriarchs of the Old Testament, Rebecca and Rachel, also Hannah, the, the mother of Samson. Right close behind these two subplots is is another one, one where God chooses the youngest, not the oldest. God hands the baton to the one who is simply not equipped to carry out the next plan of rescue. Jacob, younger of the two twins. Joseph and Benjamin, youngest of the 12 sons of Jacob. David, youngest of the sons of Jesse, the boy with the slingshot gone out to meet the giant. God chooses the youngest against the grain of the culture. Another, the one where, the subplot where the the sinner is appointed, the unholy one, the ritually unclean to further the plot. You know this one, Moses the murderer, David the lecherous adulterer, Rahab the harlot, the publican whose prayer is heard before that of the Pharisee, and the Good Samaritan who worships in the wrong place but knows the meaning of neighbor love. The subplot that that hands the baton to the sinner to run the next leg of the race. So there are just a few. The the out-of-nothing subplot, the least likely, the youngest, the, the one that hands the baton to the sinner, just a few of the ones that are employed in Scripture. And then there's the one that's used today. Little, little less known, maybe less widely accepted, still very important. Now, the, the preacher has a variety of possible teachings to pursue today, in the gospel lesson. Unfortunately, they must be left for another Sunday, most of them. Playing with the boy Jesus, there's so much there to do, but they must be left if we're to stay with this subplot piece for another back porch study instead. Take your bulletin, your Bible as the case may be, turn to the gospel lesson, third sentence down. That's chapter 
2, verse 42-43, and the text reads this. Do you see it right there? When the festival ended, that's referring to Passover. When the festival ended and they, that's the Holy Family, or more specifically Mary and Joseph, when they start to return, the boy Jesus stays behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Now, this part of the narrative relies on a subplot that's very important. Jesus is not there where you expect him to be. Jesus is not there where you expect him to be. The, the wise men, they can't find him except for the mystical assistance of a star. Herod can't find him and figures that the slaughter of the innocents will take care of it all and now his parents can't find him anticipating that he's in the caravan with them but Jesus is not there where you expect him to be some thought John the Baptist was to be Jesus he wasn't then there was that time do you remember it where the townsfolk they've cornered Jesus on a cliff and they want to come and push him off the cliff and the text says that when he goes, when they go to see him, that he passes unrecognized through their midst. Jesus is not there where you expect him to be, or maybe even where you want him to be. Mary and Martha thought he ought to be at their side when Lazarus died. The disciples think that Jesus ought to be awake with them in the boat as it tosses and turns on the Sea of Galilee. The women at the tomb. They expected him, they expected his body to be in the grave, but the answer comes, he's not here. Uh, just a little aside, it took me two years to get up the gumption to ask Fletch Coke, what is the subject of the stained glass window up there? It actually, it literally took me two years because the more I looked, I, I just couldn't figure out who is it there in the center. And of course, the answer came, it's a resurrection scene. You all know that. You worship here. But it's a resurrection scene without Jesus. Right? The, the red-winged angel is the one speaking to the women saying, he's not here. And you see the linens that have fallen at the opening to the cave. The women come, but find that he's not there. Jesus' parents, they took for granted. They took for granted that Jesus would be traveling with the caravan, but he's not there, and it takes some time for them to discover that. He does this, Jesus does this quite often. He moves on just, just ahead of us, ahead of his family, his followers, ahead of the crowd, unbeknownst to us and against every expectation. There is likely a place in the cupboard of your Christmas memories where you like to keep the infant Jesus. There's, there's likely a place where you expect Jesus to be when you're in crisis. There, there's likely a healing, a restoration, a reconciliation you expect Jesus to perform at a moment's notice, on command. But Jesus is not there where you expect him to be. He's picked up and moved on just a bit ahead. 
come and follow me, he said to the first disciples. Come and follow me, he, he is saying to you. There's no passive or ambivalent or agnostic or indifferent following of Jesus. When you discover he's gone, when you discover you were taking him for granted, when you find that the box or the world or the role you had assigned him is proving inadequate, constraining, or misguided, you must pick up. You must stand up and leave the comfort of the familiar behind and follow him. Four, as the Cistercians and W.H. Auden and the psalmist all remind us, Jesus is eager to lead you into the land of unlikeness. He's eager to lead you through the desolate valley and onto the desert covered with pools of water. He's eager to lead you into the very presence of God. But you must first get up. You must first stand up and follow him. Amen.